Hello, good people. This is Sister Julia Walsh, and you're listening to Messy Jesus Business. Welcome to The Mess. I'm here with Nkwa Wa Ivan, and we're having this conversation in Singapore, where I'm visiting for the International Conference on Cohesive Societies in September 2022. Ivan is a member of the Focolare movement here in Singapore. He is a Catholic, a convert to Catholicism a retired banker, and someone who volunteers very enthusiastically with people who are migrant workers in Singapore. Ivan, welcome to Messy Jesus Business. Thank you very much. I'm so happy to be here with you. It's such a joy to be here in Singapore. I came all the way for the International Conference for Cohesive Societies. What an honor and a privilege to be in Asia, to be in this beautiful country of Singapore. And I'm Really grateful for the hospitality that you've shown me. This episode, though, is not about me and my experience in Singapore. This is about you and your Christian journey and how you have grown to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. So, Ivan, I know that you were once an atheist and you were a banker, you're a retired banker, but now you are a member of Focolare, which we will hear a little bit about. And you volunteer work a lot working with migrant workers, as well as people with disabilities and elders who are lonely. So, so your life has been an interesting journey. And I'd love to hear, how did you become the person you are today? Wow. I think it's a long story, yeah. but I try my best to make it not so long. Yeah, it's very true. I'm a convert. Yeah, I only baptized in 1994. Actually, it's just one year became before I came to Singapore. Yeah, my parents are very traditional Chinese. I was born in Hong Kong. Yeah, and they follow the traditional religious practices. They go, they, we go to the temples, having the joysticks, all these things, worshipping those gods, right, and ancestors. My childhood is uh, all this brought up like, like this, right? And I do not have an idea of a god in my vocabulary, no. actually, yeah. Okay. And when I get into a secondary school, right, and then I met some classmates who were Christians and they're very enthusiastic in to evangelize, right, to tell me who Jesus is, I say, no, because uh, I'm a science student. You know, at the same time, I say, it is not rational to believe in something that you don't, you can't see, you, do, you can't touch. So I always challenge them, you know, give me the proof, show me some evidence, right? So, Normally, they could not. So I sometimes I feel I'm very proud of it because I, I can beat up my Christian uh, classmates. Mm. But somehow, you know, uh, at the same time, I must tell you that my life has been smooth. Even though I'm the only child, I'm not coming from a very well-off family. But being the only child, you get all the attention. You get all the things that your parents want to give you. Right. So I'm always number one in school. Yeah, that has its downside, right? Of course, I become proud. Mm. <laughs> yeah, but. My, then I think that, yeah, I can do things by myself. And I don't need anyone's help. Don't mention about God, right, in this case. So when I start to work, yeah, again, you know, I got a good uh, job uh, in the beginning. And then I had a relationship with my girlfriend. Everything is like uh, a dream. I mean, it's very smooth. And there, there is no place for God, I would say. Yeah, no, not even place for a, a supernatural being in my life, right? Everything I can handle. But 
to a certain point, my girlfriend broke up with me. Yeah, and she left for the United States without giving me a word. So I was devastated, right? I was heartbroken. heartbroken. Yeah. I don't know why. And I, and then I think this is the first time I realized I cannot do anything about it. It is beyond my control. No matter, I think I wrote her a few letters, you know, those days, right? We don't even have the mobile phone. Email is not common. So I wrote her handwritten letters, but no response. Yeah. <laughs> Long distance calls, she doesn't answer the phone. Only her sister will answer the phone, right? All these things. Then I said, no matter what I try, I could not have her back, you know? And at the same time, my work, my job has been facing some challenges. I'm a forex dealer and my pay is really attached to my performance, how much money I can make for the bank, right? So if I did not perform, that means my uh, salary will be affected, you know, even my appraisal will be affected, right? And at the, about the same time, I also could not perform in the way that the bank expect of me. So I feel that, wow, that is the dark moment of my life and who can I turn to, right? Because before all the time, I depend on myself. Yeah. And that is the moment that I, I remember, you know, some of our Christian friends that I met, they say, hey, Ivan, maybe you can turn to God. Maybe you can pray to him to ask him to help you. Then at that moment of time, again, I have nothing. And also I feel that I have nothing to lose also if I try to pray, right? So I must tell you to be honest in the beginning, I don't feel anything when I start to pray. I don't listen. Am I talking to myself? But after once or twice or a few times, right, I start to feel that, well, I don't know. So that's, that's a kind of um, peace, right, that came to me. The external situation doesn't change, I must say that. My girlfriend is still ignoring me, right? And then uh, the job is not do, uh, doing well. But I feel that, yeah, it seems that I'm more at peace of all this happening. Then I feel that, yeah, maybe this is worth, you know, to, to continue, right, this uh, prayer. And then I also ask my friends, so can I go to your church, right? It's just a Protestant church, a small one. And then to, to attend the services and the worship, yeah. And then this is where I start. Maybe I think that was when I was around 25 years old. Okay. Yeah, and then I, I, I start to go to the services, listening to the uh, sermons of the pastors. Right? I, I enjoy it a lot, actually, because I really start to learn more about Jesus right, in the Bible. And also I can see how people come together, right, giving their witnesses of how their life has been changed. Right? And then I start to say, oh, wow, I, I want to know more. I want to know more. You know, and also, but at the same time, I met my wife, yeah, Alve, and but she is a Catholic, right? She was yeah. already Catholic. Yeah, she was. Yeah, she, was, she was a cradle Catholic. Yeah, she already there. So I, because I'm, I was at that uh, situation, right? Seeking God, want to share with someone that what is my faith journey, right? In the beginning, I'm very passionate about it. So I told her a, a lot of things. And she just listened, you know what I mean? It's our dating. Of course, we still go to the uh, restaurant. We go to the movies, right? But during our conversations, it's always about God, about what I believe. And I, sometimes I find that, wow, we, I might be too much into the religion, right, with her. Then me too, the, I know that she belongs to the Fukulare community, yeah, which is a lay organization of uh, the Catholic Church, right? But she didn't really share too much about it. She listened to my story and then I just pour out all these things to her. And then even one time I said, I asked her, am I too religious? 
<laughs> she just smiled. I, I don't know what that means at that moment of time. But then at the same time, she also shared with me something interesting. She said, oh, I, um, she was a Catholic, so, so, but she followed some friends, right, to go to the Philippines to uh, visit the poor, to do something for them. And then she also went to the prison to visit some of the uh, people in there. So I was amazed because... All along in the church that I attend, of course, we listen to personal testimonies. We learn the knowledge of the Bible, right? But she gave me another perspective. That is how a Catholic or Christian, right, can live out in their lives. Yeah, this is something that intrigues me, right? I feel that, wow, this is something I never have thought about. I just feel that, yeah, the faith can connect to my life. It's not about church and outside, right? Yeah. Uh, it can be one thing. Yeah, and then people can do it together. And that's why I'm very curious to know about their, their community, right? The Fukulale community and to know her friends, right? And that is start my, actually, the journey to become a member of the Fukulare. Wow. So you became a Catholic and then you joined Focolare or did you... The other way around. The other way yeah. around. Okay, well, let's talk about Focolare. Okay. Okay, so I know the charism, as we oftentimes say in religious life in the Catholic Church, or like the spirit or the their particular focus of, of Focolare is about the oneness of humanity, right? Whereas in the Gospel of John, Christ is saying that he came so that all will be one. So... Can you share a bit about Focolare and and what, for anyone who's never heard of it before, what it means, the history, and sort of like, how does this work? Okay. Yeah, I try to make a long story short. Also. Of, course. Yeah. Yeah. of course, you can find a lot of information on the website, focolare.org. Mm-hmm. You okay, know, they perfect. have an international website. Yeah. But- my personal encounter, right? Yeah. I will try to share with you is, yeah, Fukulale, you know, it is founded in the, during the Second World War by a lady called Chiara Lubick. And now she is also in the clause of this canonization, right? So yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, well, we pray uh, a lot for that, but to us, she's like a mother already, you know? Yeah. And yeah, during that time, we all know that even we were not there, we can imagine the terrible things happened, right, during the war. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. Well, excuse me, was she in Italy? Yeah, she was so, in Italy, yeah. in, in a little city of Trent. But Trent is actually is very famous, right? Yeah, the, the Council of Trent. Council of Trent, Vertical yeah. One, right? So, I mean, yeah, she was born there. And then when she was about 20 years old, of course, like everyone else, you know, mm. they have a lot of uh, aspirations. Right, she wants to be a teacher, and some of her friends want to get married. You know, all these beautiful dreams, right, that they have. But the war really uh, destroys everything. And the, one of the things that they need to do is like a daily thing: is if, whenever there is a sirens, right, for the uh, air attack. Right? Oh, the uh, air raids! They, they have to air raids, right? They have to run into the shelter, and then they actually bring brought nothing with them. Yeah, yeah. the only thing they brought is the small uh, gospel. Oh. Ah, so when they were staying in the shelter, they said, what can we do? And then they say, oh, we can start to read some passages mm. of the gospel. Sure. And then this group of girls, they are starting to read it. And then slowly they discover, ah, these words is not just something from a book. It comes alive. Yeah. yeah I don't know why. The you know, living word of God. All right. They feel that it comes alive. Just like a very simple verses, love the other as yourself. You know, then they say, wow. What can I do with uh, this word inside me, right? Then they do say, okay, when we come out of the sh- uh, shelter, 
we should seek people around us who are in need, right? They may lose their family or they are hungry. Bring them in. Bring them to their house and then sit with them to have a meal. All these things. Well, they, then they, the more they practice, the more feel the reality of the word of God. You know, they taste there. So they get more energized. You know, they feel that yeah, we we must do this and we must share this with others. And I think in one occasion they discover also is about God loves us so much, right? And then we want to respond to His love. What should we do, right? Then they say, oh yeah, we should do the will of God. We should seek His will and try to do it. And then what is the will of God, right? Sometimes it's very vague, right? So when they read about you know what you have mentioned, when Jesus tell the Father, also. Uh, may all men be one, as I and you are one. Then suddenly this was stuck, that struck them a lot because they said, "Wow, yeah, this is the wish of Jesus, the last wishes of Jesus on the cross, which must be the most important one." Mm. So they said, "Okay, we should live this. We we should try to bring this wish of uh, Jesus to come true, right?" So that's why they said, "Yeah, the unity is their goal." That's Unity, beautiful. Yeah, it's the charism. So everything they do, they are focusing to bring unity, no matter how small it is, right? Maybe it is still far from the goal, but everyone is trying to put into practice it, towards this goal. Yeah, yeah, and that's why. Yeah. So then, and in within Focolare, there's married couples like you and your wife, single people, right? And there's consecrated people. So. Are they sisters or brothers? Yes, they okay. also have. Yeah. yeah, but then, but they're not exactly nuns or something. They like it's. It seems like this is my outsider understanding. Mm-hmm. Is that there's really this blend, right? And there's not a real a clear distinction between who's a consecrated person and who's a lay person. Or I mean, I guess consecrated people are lay people too. The Catholic mm-hmm. Church is very messy that way but like, yeah. yeah yeah so it's more of like a it's really about building community and it's a movement for building community outside of the catholic church as well yeah i think you have a, a quite quite a good understanding of it but i think for the structure itself right yeah mm-hmm. they have the uh, lady as so-called the president of the oh, okay. of the Fukulare, and it is uh, all been approved by the church right all the constitution yeah. the statutes but among us you know, every one member, right? No matter who you are, what uh, what is your vocation? We call about, right? Yeah. Very single, consecrated, and we have priests. We have car- even cardinals mm-hmm. uh, who would like to be members of the Fukulale. And there are also uh, a little twist of it. It's like some people they are they are the priests first, and then they know the Fukulale, mm. and then they want to adopt this uh, lifestyle, right? And then this go into their daily life. So sometimes we will call these people like. A priest for Kalalino. Kalalino, oh. that means they, they are priests first and then they become a, mem- a, a consecrated member of the Fukulale. But there are also people the other way around. It's like just a lay person start with a lay person. I know the Fukulale. I want to be a consecrated person, right, of the movement. And then later I become a priest. Oh, well, ah. but not you actually, because yeah. you have a I'm wife a very, and children. Very, yeah, but there are single <laughs> people who are like that. Yeah, then, yeah. We, then we call them. Fukalalino priests, because Fukalalino uh-huh. consecrated first, right? And uh, then they become a priest later. They can even become a bishop, right? Uh-huh. That is the reality. What I mean is it's like whoever you are, just come in. You know, you're a sister, you know, yeah. or you are married. We all see each other, right? Yeah. It's like one family, yeah. brothers and sisters. 
and that's all. It's community. Yeah, it's and everyone a, has different roles and gifts. And I mean, it sounds yeah, it's actually what I believe and aspire in very much in my own life and work. But I'm curious about how it's a Catholic movement. But you and you said you could become a member of Focolare, but then you became a Catholic later, so yeah. you don't have to actually profess the creed or be have all received all the sacraments before you can become involved. Yeah, and the, the, that's the inclusiveness of the Focolare. Yeah. yeah, we have members from the Buddh- from the Buddhism. We have Muslim members. Wow. We have people who doesn't have any religious affiliation. Wow! Yeah, and that's why we are so much involved also into the interreligious dialogue. Yes. Yeah, and yeah, that is how inclusive we are. Because we have one thing that we believe uh, may not be accepted by all, right? But yeah. before we believe, everybody candidates of love, right? And they are all created in the image and likeliness of God. So that's kind of your core central Cause, belief. Right? Yeah. 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 So I assume that those who are part of Focolare, there's there is a practice of shared contemplation and reflection and like some sort of prayer life, even though it's different religions mixing together. Yeah, of course we still are really. If you are Catholic, you are practicing Catholic, right? right? You are doing all the things that a Catholics uh, will do, right? And, mm-hmm. and, yeah, but at the same time, I think the focus is really also very much on the uh, Christian living. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we say, yeah, every, like, for example, every month we have a word of life meeting, right? Then oh. we share about the word and then we say, how can we live this to, uh, together? I think another aspect that we emphasize a lot is the togetherness. You uh-huh. are not living it just on your own or with a few friends, but the whole world, right? The community yeah. uh, of the whole world, we're trying to live the same word. I think that's just like we are reading the uh, mass reading mm. or the, the Hatten, the same uh, mass, right? The whole yeah. world. And then we can share these experiences and it's not necessary. It must be, wow, very big, dramatic experience. Yeah. But the small little, I can tell you something. It's like, okay, I'm not the person who likes to wash dishes. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I prefer to cook rather than wash. Okay. But then, the thing is, when I tell myself I need to love, right? I need to serve my neighbors, my mm. family, for example. I, I need to change the mentality, right? I'm not there to choose what I like, but I'm there to love and serve, right? So I say, yeah, if I see my children or my wife is uh, busy already, they are, they are tired, not, doing, uh, not wanting to do the dishes, I say, okay, let me do it. And then when I wash, of course, it, it seems very routine, right? Washing the dishes, mm. nothing uh, come out of it. But I say, oh no, I wash this for Jesus, mm. for you, Jesus. So when I do this, I become very happy about it. Huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So little, little things, right? But it really changed how you see things. Mm. And that's how I, how we trying to live. Mm. And then we share this among ourselves, even failures, right? Because sometimes, oh no, I can't do that. I can't forgive, right? But God is asking us forgive 77 times. How can we do it, right? But we are there for each other. Yeah, we can say, yeah, can, what can we do? Can we pray for you? Can we do something? And then that community also was built because of that. Yeah. You describe it in such a way that makes it super attractive and and like dreamy <laughs> almost <laughs> but okay anyway okay. i'm sure sure like every other community it's got its challenges and its struggles and tensions and flaws yeah i mean you're human so but that's yeah it's beautiful i want would love to hear 
about the point in your journey when you decided, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to commit to being a Catholic and I'm going to accept the teachings of the church wholeheartedly. It's a quite a drastic switch for you. So was there, how did that happen? And what was the transformation like? Oh yeah, I have the experience I must share with you. Yeah, because I mentioned, right, when I start with the small Protestant church and then I met my wife, right? And there is no, well, I mean, nothing come to my mind that I want to convert from a Protestant to become a Catholic. I feel comfortable in my Protestant church, right? I like the worship, I like the Bible sharing, everything, even the fellowship with the small group of brothers and sisters, right? And my wife never exerted any pressure on me, even though she told me, yeah, I'm a Catholic, you know, if you'd like to see my friends, I would be happy, you know. But then it's after we get married. We get married in a Catholic church, but, you know, Catholic allows a non-Catholic, right, to have the wedding inside the Catholic church with Catholic. So they are very open, they accept me, so I, I have my vows, all this in, in the church. Yeah, but even after getting married, I don't think that I, I don't want to be a Catholic. Sometimes I have my prejudices, right, towards Catholics. Or sometimes I say, oh, they don't know the Bible. <laughs> oh, yeah, they're always uh, wor- worshipping some uh, statues or icons, mm. right? Sorry about that, but that is my preconception. But then after that, we um, again, we know a couple who is a very committed member of the Fukulale and they suggest to us, okay, how about you consider to spend your honeymoon in Italy? Yeah, because there is going to have a formation school by the headquarters of the Fukulale about families, right? So since you are newly aware, it's good to have some formation there, right? And then, but we will be half a year later. So actually, we postponed our uh, honeymoon. Oh. Yeah, six months later, and then we went. And then, then we spent, before the school, right? We spent five days in Rome. My wife is quite familiar with Rome, so every day she will brought me to Vatican, to, to St. Peter's Square, and to the church, attend Mass, Latin Mass. I, I think, yeah, they, not Latin Mass, I think they are Italian. They all yeah. speak in Italian, and the priest is like uh, the back facing us, right? So I, don't, I know nothing about it. I don't know what is happening, right, actually. Yeah. But there is one time when I stand in the middle, I don't know whether you remember, in the middle of the St. Peter's Square. Mm-hmm. And then looking back at the main church, mm-hmm. I just feel, this is a very personal encounter, I just feel that the main church, like the head of Christ, with the two pillars, right? Yeah, yeah so there, it's kind of like an arc. And it an almost, arc like, yeah. It's almost like the the architecture and the design of yeah, St. Exactly. Peter's Squares, is, it's like arms reaching around the people. Correct. I feel the embrace of Christ. Wow. Then suddenly I feel that, oh, well, I can see, I can find God in the Catholic Church, not only in my uh, small uh, congregation, right? Then it hits me that, yeah, why should I always fix my idea that, no, I will never become a Catholic, you know, all these things? Because I really can, can feel Him at that moment of time. So I feel that, yeah, I should be open to this offer, you know, by God that, yeah, maybe I should try to know Him more through the Catholic Church. So so like the hunger and the desire was awakened. Yeah, it's awakened, I would say. I don't realize that actually. But then <clears> I said, <throat> yeah, I can find him here. Uh. And then, yeah, it, it is the Catholic Church, right? So uh. Uh, then after co- co- uh, going back to Hong Kong where I my birthplace, I start to look for catechism class. Uh. And then the beautiful thing is in the apartment that I live, there is a, a Catholic Church opposite to it. 
Uh, and they I just started the catechism class. Oh. So yeah, I think I've no excuse of not putting myself into it. You know, so yeah. So I say okay, I give myself a chance. I don't know whether after this catechism, right, I, I will join the church. But it is not the most important thing anymore. I I need to go through it and to learn more to clear my questions, right. Sometimes even my my maybe my bias towards the towards the Catholic Church. So I attend the catechism for one over year, and then of course not all the questions are answered, but some of the critical questions I found the answer there, and I feel that yeah, I can be a Catholic, mm. and that is how I make my decision. It is quite naturally also, but at the same time I really feel that the Fukuhara movement plays a very important part because. Full the people, the love of them, right? They always welcoming, give you that uh, sense of a family. I really feel love is there. The God is here, yeah. And then I, I have no hesitation anymore. Yeah, so I decide to become a Catholic at that time. Wow, I appreciate so much about your story, especially how you're describing. It was really your questions and your searching, but there was a shift in. Almost like a resistance to a space of openness, and you went to this space of like, okay, well, let me learn and discover here. And in that shift of attitude, then, then in some ways, it's like you open the doors for the spirit to come in and to guide you and to show you in the courage and the, to take the risk and to jump into the mystery of the church and the faith. Yeah, right. So, so the, yeah, once it is a dance, isn't it? Discipleship and how we walk with Christ, and there's sort of this unfolding and we're discovering and learning as we go. Yeah. Yeah. So here we are at home, capital H O M E and not your home, not my home, but we are at an NGO, a non-government organization here in Singapore that serves migrant workers. And this is one of the places where you serve and you build up that unity that, that you believe in and you share the love of Christ. Could you tell us about home and how do you see Christ present here, even though it's not a religious organization, right? It's a nonprofit secular organization, but here you are volunteering as a Christian with migrant workers. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, home is the short form, right? So if you have Expand it, right? Yeah. To read the whole name of it, right? it's quite a mouthful. It's called Humanitarian Organization for Migration Economics. So uh-huh. actually, after I heard it, I still could not get it for the first time. Yeah, know? yeah. But all I know that is it is for the migrant workers. Yeah, and a little bit of background, right? In Singapore, we have over a million migrant workers in Singapore. A million. And this is not counting. Those professionals, right? Those are considered expatriates. Oh, so this migrant my. worker population we are talking about, they are the lower skill, lower pay, including the domestic workers. Yeah, uh, it's not very common in US, I think. Yeah, and that you can have like we call a, a maid that oh, can sure. live in the house with you, taking care all the house chores, taking care your babies, your children, and mm-hmm. your aged parents. Right? They mm-hmm. do everything. Sorry, most people in Singapore have a domestic worker in their home. I cannot say most, but yeah, it is quite very. It's quite common. Okay. Once because also Singapore context is uh, the most uh, the husband and wife, right, will be working. Mm. Yeah. So who will take care of their children or sure. their parents, right? And they like many Asian family, they will stay together. Mm. The immediate families. So there is a big group of it. I think 
maybe around a quarter million. Yeah, oh. uh, but they are comprised of different nationalities. We have the Filipinos, mm-hmm. we have the Indonesian, and now Indians, and now we have more domestic workers from the Myanmar. Yeah, yeah, and also some from Cambodia. So in the states, a lot of our migrant workers, some of them have work visas, and maybe they're working on farms or either laborers like at construction sites, construction or cleaning, yeah, st- things like this. Um, and they're also working in places like restaurants and those type of work. However, it's really restrictive for, and it's really challenging for immigrants to come to the United States. And so there's also this complicated layer of undocumented immigrants and documented immigrants and how it's hard, are hard for undocumented immigrants to receive this U.S. citizenship that they desire and aspire to. So is part of the work that you're doing here in Singapore, helping the migrant workers to become citizens of Singapore? <laughs> Not really, because uh, I think the situation here is a bit different. Yeah. Singapore government is very strict on uh, citizenship. That oh. means you can imagine a small uh, country like Singapore, right? If they can allow more people to become citizens, that yeah. will become a problem also. Yeah. So what Singapore government want to do is to get this cheap neighbor from the neighbor countries and then to help to develop the economy. Because normally these people, right, from the Southeast Asian countries, they can find a better income in Singapore when they came. But at the same time, you know what I mean is Singapore government doesn't want them to stay here for long. So when they, whenever they come, like you said, yes, they will get a work permit. And oh. then they are, then this work permit is attached to their job, to their company. So as long as they have work, they can stay in Singapore. Okay. Once they don't have job, they lose their job or whatever reason, right? The employer doesn't want them. They will be sent away back to home. Yeah. Okay. So that is then that is a big problem here because workers doesn't have the freedom of switching employers, right? Oh. Because the employer will say, okay, no matter how I treat you, you have to attach with me. Otherwise, you have to go back home. But imagine for them to come here from home, right? They need to pay very high agency fee. It's not Singapore one, but in their own country. Oh. Yeah, they have to pay people, they have to get the training, all these things in order to come here. And they normally come with a loan, a burden. Either they sell their houses, sell their land, or borrow money from people wow. in order to come. So if they come here for a few months and then the employer say, I, I don't want you and I will send you back home. That is the worst thing that they want to see, right? right. So many workers, what we encounter is they suffer in silence. Because even they get mistreated, they would try to be tolerating it, right? To, to, to try to accept it as it is and hoping that after two years contract, they may be able to change another employer. Oh. Yeah, but many times is even within the contract, they don't have a chance. Right? Yeah. yeah. So you're doing advocacy for their working rights, basically, and so that their employer is not mistreating them and the working conditions are better. And is that a lot of what that is? Helping? I think more almost should be half of a home's work. Well, one part is really to raise awareness, right, and advocacy. We also are in constant touch with the government agencies, telling them, yeah, we can do better. We want to fill these gaps in the law or the employer's situation, right, all these things. But at the same time, of course, we don't leave the man hungry, right? So we also try to give the humanitarian aid to all those in need. When they lost their job, when they had a work injury, right, and they cannot work from the injury of an accident, right, and then the employer doesn't care for them anymore, 
So we will step in, maybe we provide accommodation, we provide food, all the necessary medical treatment, right? So in this part is also one very big part of us. But on the other part, of course, is the advocacy. And the other part, I think we also try to be more into the empowerment of these workers. Yeah. In the sense that, yeah, when they come, sometimes we need to help them to up upgrade their skills, right? We don't, we also, we don't want them to be a helper all the time all their life, right? And then we say, okay, we provide some other courses of computer course, English course, nursing courses, so that they can learn some new skill, so that there's a chance for them to, to switch to other careers. Yeah. So we really want to give them the yeah, chance, you know, that they can come out of their usual work and then maybe also come out of poverty, uh -huh. ultimately. Yeah, that is the areas that we are in. Yeah, so you're case managers and educators, and you're really companions for them. And we do it as a team yeah, all yeah. together. Yeah, that's beautiful. And if you wouldn't mind just telling me a little bit about how your Christian faith is part of this work. Yeah, of course, we can see this is a charitable work, right? So at many organizations are in charity, right? Even you do, you think other religions or secular organizations. At home is a secular organization. But he was found by a Catholic lady mm. called Miss Bridget Tan. Mm. And she, yeah, she feel that initially she say she just want to help the workers who are being abandoned in the street. They don't have a place to stay. So she, she will bring them in to give them uh, a shelter. And then slowly they said, oh, maybe we can, we can help them also in fighting for their rights. And then whether we can help them to get another job. Because of my background, right, as a Catholic and also knowing the Fukulale community, yeah. then I see the workers coming in, not just as someone in need. Of course, they are someone in need, but it's not just a beneficiary needing help, right? I see them as Jesus. Because how in Matthew, right, we know, I think Matthew, Matthew 25, 25. 25, whatever you do to the least, you are doing it to me. So, and this is what I learned, right? And then I say, okay, these are the least of the peoples you went unfortunately or what. And I, I have to see them as Jesus, right? And then my attitude is to serve these people. I'm not here helping you. Actually, I'm there to serve you. Whatever you need, can I do something for Jesus in this person. Mm. And this really changed my attitude, right? Yeah, because sometimes we can see, oh, you need help. Okay, let me do this. And it is what my wish, uh, what I want you to do, right? Yeah. But now I will see, come when the, when, a, when a worker comes in front of me, I say, okay, tell me your story. Yeah. You know, what do you want to do? Like, what can I uh, do so that you can be helped? That, that can really bring justice, for example, into your work. So, this gives me a lot of humility because I, to, in front of me, it's not a worker, right? It's Jesus. So mm. I cannot uh, have any other kind of thoughts about this person anymore. Mm. And it goes back to the beginning of the story. And when you were talking about how when you first encountered Christians and you were in school and you were so successful in school, um, it really built up your pride, right? And your ego. And now you it's all reversed. You're as you're and you're in this space of humility as you encounter Christ in the people that come oh, before you. So yeah, yeah that's a beautiful version yeah. story. Yeah. Okay, so Ivan, we've known each other now just I guess maybe six months or something since this wild Singapore invitation came into my life. 
And I just have come to know you as someone who's so enthusiastic and so passionate about Jesus, about the gospel, about, about being a Christian and a Catholic. This podcast is called Messy Jesus Business because yes. we are interested in exploring how the struggle of being a Christian disciple, of following Jesus and committing to him is messy work. And everything isn't beautiful and peachy and tidy and orderly like we might prefer. Yeah. So what's messy about this for you? I think a lot. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but I'm in constant struggles, right, with my human uh, weaknesses. Mm. So, for example, I'm not a patient person. <laughs> of course, you can. I can say I, that. I know. <laughs> You've done a good... Sister, Sister Julia, I don't know if you got my email, but could you... I'm just checking in. <laughs> I, I, I would try to blame it because of my work. Because <laughs> you need to make fast decisions, right? Right, in, let's in go. Current let's situation. go. You're Buy, a businessman. Yeah, and then cut your position, you know, oh, take the gosh. profit. It's always split second. So right. whenever the things come to my mind, I have to say yes or no, decide right, right uh, away. And then, but this really also affecting sometimes my personality and my daily interaction with people. Even though I don't show it, but I know deep inside, <laughs> how come you're so late? How come so slow? And then why? All these things are all coming in. Yeah. And, and on top of that, you know, because I'm a convert, right? Mm. I must tell you, the life before I know Jesus and the life after is very different. Mm. Which even, I don't see it. How do I say? I'm very sinful, you know, before that, but I have many worldly values, right? Oh, okay. It's all right. Why not? Sometimes you go to the nightclub, you enjoy yourself, to gamble, to swear at people. Oh, all sure. I did. So, I mean, I, at that moment of time, I don't really feel that there's some, anything wrong. But yeah. after knowing Christ, of course, this is also re really a slow process, right? Then I feel that something is not right. right? Mm. Yeah, they will try obstruct, you know, sometimes my relationship with God. But having said that, I, re I, I am fully aware of that, but it doesn't mean that I'm 100% clear of all these habits, the temptation, all these come in, right? you know, there's, and, I, and there are failures, you know, I feel that, wow, why, how come I still like that? That kind of guilt, when, when you have, when you commit a sin that you don't really don't want to have, you know, and that these are, are really like the struggles, right? Of course, we being a Catholic, we have the sacrament, right, of reconciliation. We Thanks be to God. We have a way out, right? <laughs> yes. But at the same time, you sometimes you I feel also I, I feel hypocritical because I commit the same sin again. I know, right? You know, after every confession, it's still the same one, right? Yeah. But what I really feel mm. is I feel God is more like a father than the judge. Mm. I think this helps me a lot because I don't. Even though I fell, stand up, I confess, and then I. Come, I make it again, right? So all these things, sometimes it can be very discouraging. Right? Yeah. But at the same time, no matter what, God loves me the same. He loves me not because what I do. He just loves me because who I am. And that's what who I am, the precious child of God. Yeah, and no matter how far I run away from Him, He's still there. He always opens arms and then to welcome me anytime I go back. So I, when I feel that I'm far from him, I say, oh, no, it's time to go back. It's time to go back, right? Then I will go back and then come, run away and come back and run away. So this is like a continuous process. But at the same time, I feel he's so real because his love is always there. And I cannot find anywhere such unconditional love that is there, right? Waiting for me. So I must tell you that there are many times I feel I'm so messy and there are dark side of me, especially running in your mind, right? <laughs> 
But again, <laughs> I say that yeah, God accepts me as who I am. Yeah. And yeah, I and also I should also accept people as they are, right? Mm. Now I really have a very different opinion towards others. Like you always emphasize, people different from us is not like a reason for conflicts. It can be something that you can learn more from this. And I always see the Fukulala always telling us that yeah, they are the children of God. Yeah, whether they realize it, they agree, it doesn't matter. At least I see them as my brothers and sister. And then that changes the whole dynamics. That changes our relationship. I can be the first time met you, right? Like, no, Julia, you are my sister. Yeah. yeah. Well, I remember when we first had our first Zoom call, and I was like, I don't know about coming to Singapore. This is quite the, this is quite the big invitation. And then you were so friendly and warm to me, and I was like, okay, I want to come just to meet Ivan and his family. Wow. Yeah. I'm so, so fortunate. Yeah. So I just want to encourage you that even if you're internally struggling with being judgmental or impatient or whatever, these very normal human conditions, you're doing okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you, thank you. Yeah, it's it's especially valuable for me to hear from your sister. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay. Thank okay. You. So I appreciate so much this conversation, Ivan, and I thank you for your hospitality and thank you to everyone in Singapore who's been so kind and gracious. And I enjoy so much this precious conversation with you. It is really something providential for yeah. me that to, to know you and then to get all this wonderful friendship. Yeah, I can only thank God and thank you. Oh, and thank you for coming on Messy Jesus Business. Yeah, let's continue to be messy. Yeah, amen. <laughs> Messy Jesus Business is produced and hosted by me, Sister Julia Walsh. You can find us online at MessyJesusBusiness.com and on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Patreon. If you like what you heard, please mention our podcast to your friends and followers. And if you'd like to help us continue our work, we'd love to have your support via Patreon. From the bottom of our hearts and the middle of the mess, thank you. Messy Jesus Business is produced in partnership with the Franciscan Sisters of Perpetual Adoration. You can learn more about our religious community and donate to our mission at fspa.org. I'm Sister Julia Walsh, and I'll catch up with you next time. Until then, peace and all good. <laughs>